He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. And what love, you know, it's all about Jesus. Give it up to him. Give it up to him. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, to you be all praise, to you be all glory, to you be all exaltation this evening. Thank you for your spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, through whom, Lord, you speak to us and to all your people. Grant me utterance, O God, from your very throne room. May I decrease as you increase in this room tonight. And Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the privilege of being a vessel that you have chosen to use tonight. Hallowed be your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your seat. Hallelujah. We thank God for... The second day of our, she has done what she could conference. And we thank God also for what he did with us and for us during the first fire, during the day. Amen. It's the doing of the Lord. And once again, I thank my husband, the bishop, for his vision. And his insight and his direction that young people should have a conference of their own called the First Fire Conference. And the heart, the heart of the presiding bishop is that that fire would touch and ignite the hearts of the young people. And then when they reach the university level, they will find also their first love and never leave it. Amen. So it's a God-given vision through Bishop Dag, and we thank God for that. I also want to salute Bishop Kwekwam Ponsan and his wife, 
Everywhere I go in Lighthouse, by the grace of God, I feel so at home. I don't have to think about it. As I'm going to Italy, how will it be? Who are the people there? Are they Lilliputians or where are they from? How will it be? There's no such thing. Because by the grace of God, there's an alos everywhere by the grace of God. Amen. So I want to salute Bishop Kweku and his dear wife. And I want to appreciate them for their obedience in serving God. May God bless you as you continue to shepherd God's flock. May the chief shepherd also shepherd you and yours. Amen. And I want to salute Reverend Emmanuel Obeng and his wife, Lady Pastor Josephina. Amen. For the good work that they are doing in this part of the world. God bless you. It's been many years. By the grace of God, we have seen people being sent out within Italy to expand the work. God bless you. And may God take care of you. And to the pastor and his wife on my right, thank you so much for nurturing Pastor Ima and his wife and his family. And through you, Lighthouse has been able to come to this country and to be here. Thank you so much for being kingdom-minded. Pastor, I thought you were a quiet man. God bless you and your godly wife and give back to you more than you've ever given to his kingdom. And more God bless you for the kingdom heart and mind that you have. Amen. And to all of you, lady pastors, pastors, shepherds, church members, visitors from far and wide, I am genuinely humbled by your presence. Genuinely. Genuinely. May God bless you and may your expectation not be cut off. Amen. Well, this evening I will try to be brief because we have Sunday also. Amen. I want to talk to you this evening about what it means to have God as your husband. what it means to have God as your husband. Amen. Now, many people know what it means to have other people as their husbands. Or sometimes even, people may not refer to a particular person, but one of the common questions I get asked is, what does it mean to be married to the bishop? Amen. Sometimes I go to other places, people say, how do you behave when you are the bishop's wife? 
And I said, you just have to be a Christian. You don't have to do anything spectacular. Just be a child of God and you'll be okay. Amen. But many times I realize that when Christians and even women are told that God is your husband. So, oh no, I want flesh and blood. Ah. When you say, oh, God loves you, so what does it do for me? I want the love of Peter. I want the love of Richard. I want the love of who else? Samuel. John. But what does it really mean? How does it translate into our lives when you say that God is your husband? What does it mean? And is it also biblical? To say that God is your husband. Revelations chapter 19. What it means to have God as your husband. Revelations chapter 19, verse 7. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Let us be glad, let us rejoice, and let us give him honor, because the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. Amen. Amen. That means that the Lamb of God is married or will be married. And that also means that the Lamb of God has a wife. Amen. Amen. So contrary to what we think, there will actually be marriage in heaven, but to a different husband. And that is why Jesus said, in heaven, they do not marry the way you understand marriage. Because in heaven, God becomes your husband. And in heaven, the body of believers is the wife. And the marriage of the lamb comes. And the wife makes herself ready. Amen. Amen. When you read Revelation 21, verse 9, it also talks about the wife, the lamb's wife. The lamb's wife. Amen. It says... And there came unto me, John is talking about his revelations, one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, and this is the, verse, the part of the verse I'm looking for, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And Paul said, I have married you to one person, and that person is God. So, Lady Reverend, what does it mean to be married to God or to have Jesus as your husband or God as your husband? Now, when you look at Isaiah 54, verse 5, it says, For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. So the first thing to recognize when God is your husband or what it means to have God as your husband is that 
You are married to the most important man on earth. Amen. Because Isaiah 54, 5 is saying, thy maker, the person who made you is your husband. So first of all, the guy you are married to is your maker. Secondly, the Lord of hosts is his name. You see, many people are the Lord of, like Obama, he's the Lord of America. Okay? Italy now, I don't even know the name of your president. I don't know whether he's inconsequential or what. <laughs> and we know Berlusconi a lot, but the, another one came that really didn't know what he was doing. Has he left? Or he's the same? He left, and then another one came. Do you see? But if you look at the UK, you say, oh, I'm David Cameron's wife. So you say, hey, I met David Cameron's wife in the shop. Can you believe it? I met David Cameron's wife. Or you may even say, I met Lady Reverend, the bishop's wife. Can you believe it? And she said hello to me. But now, you are not Mrs. Clinton. You are not Mrs. Obama. You are the Lord of hosts' wife. The maker of the world. That's the type of Mrs. that you are. Amen. Thy redeemer. Another of his names. The Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth. That is the one whose wife you are. And the verse starts by saying, For thy maker is thine husband. Amen. The Bible says about the people of Israel that when they heard the word, they did not mix it with faith. Therefore, it was not profitable to them. So most of the time, the reason why these words are not profitable to us or don't make any difference in our lives is that we don't mix it with faith. But the things of God are more real than the physical world. And some people, you know, when um, Prince William was getting married and they interviewed the wife, she said, oh, I saw his picture and I thought, one day I'll marry this guy. So she found out the university he was going to, and she also went there. And then eventually by hook or crook or whatever they met, you know. <laughs> because some people have a dream that they will marry a prince. And some of you, God has blessed you with so many nice people. But you are waiting for the prince who doesn't exist. To come your way. You see a brother in the church. And he's trying to be nice to you. And you are angry. You see, many years ago, when I was about maybe 30, 14 in high school, a I was in a girl's school, so a boy from another school that I didn't know came to visit me with my brother. My brother is a year behind me, Reverend Jude. And when the boy came, my brother came to me. I said, why have you come with this boy? So he just said he wanted to come with me. I said, really? After a while, I realized that the boy had been giving him gifts in the school. And then he will come with the boy to the school. So I'll, I'll always be thinking, ah, when I'm chatting with my brother, why is this guy sitting there? I don't have anything to tell him. Then one day he made the mistake of writing to me. 
just three or four visits, say you are in love with me. So, as is typical of girls, you see, when Hezekiah got the letter, he spread it before the Lord. So, we too, when we get our letters, we spread it before our friends. So, when I spread it before my friends, then I have to now give commentary why. So I said that, you know, this boy, I don't know him. He just came with my brother. And I mean, how dare he? And then my friend said, it's true. How dare he? And then one of my friends said, as he has written to you, we must reply. So before prep, we all hover around one desk, which is my desk. And everybody has a line to supply. He said, dear, I started, I wrote, dear, then I mentioned the person, said, no, 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 dear. I said, no, dear, it's not just a statue. He said, no, 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 he will get a wrong impression. Change it. Then somebody said, okay, just use his name. If his name is, let's say, Daniel, Daniel. Then somebody said, no, you have to start with, look here. Look here. Look here. Look, look, look here. Then, I'm even shy to say it. One of my friends said, no, 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 no. He is not even worth the writing paper. Let's go and bring toilet roll. <laughs> At that juncture, I said, oh, that one, I can't. <laughs> but we replied the letter. And a few weeks ago, I was thinking, I said, ah, but this reply of the letter, my only contribution was maybe the first line of the rest of the lines were, oh, my friend, no, no, no. Erase it. Put in this. How dare you, when you look at yourself, and you look at me, how dare you? Say, no, 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 you don't have to say, look at yourself and look at me. When you check out yourself, what was the person's crime? He has come to say he likes you. He has come to say, I love you. And now when I look back, we are so angry. How dare you tell your, how dare you propose to me? And they said, that I shouldn't say, when you look at yourself and you look at me, I should remove myself. When you look at yourself, you shouldn't look at me. He should look at himself. So sometimes, you see, we feel that some people are not even worthy to even have the mind that they like you. But as I've grown up, I've come to see that it's all arrogance and pride. If you don't like the person, just, oh, I don't like you, or I'm not interested. But you have a whole squad, a whole, I mean, I don't know if the brothers know that that's what happens. And then we begin to laugh. We will laugh sit on the floor laugh did you see his trousers did you see his this laugh and sometimes at the end of the laughing the person we are advising likes the person <laughs> but cannot tell us as friends now this person that you are blasting like this at least ask for my opinion. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it all stems from the fact that we think that the person is not worthy of us. 
Amen. But this type of husband, he is your maker, your redeemer, the Lord of hosts, and the Lord of the whole earth. Hallelujah. The second thing is that you have to know that you are married to a big man. The biggest man on earth. And being married to this man translates into all areas of your life. Because marriage affects you, whether you like it or not. Our choices affect us. Amen. When the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You say, Lady Reverend, he is a black American. When I ask you, is he born again? You say, he's a black American. What does black American have? To do with being born again. Sometimes too, the person may be born again, but is not stable, or is not serious with God, or is not somebody that you have the same vision or the same outlook with, but you don't know that that marriage to that person is going to translate into every area of your life. Sometimes people have gotten married and they can't serve God anymore. People have gotten married and they can't even come to church anymore. People have gotten married and when they've ironed their clothes to come to church, the clothes are soaked in water because they have said that they are going. I counseled a couple where the man became born again after marriage and he was not a Catholic, but his wife was. And he told his wife, okay, you are a Catholic. I will support you in everything you do. But you also support me in everything I do. So then, sometimes he would even go to some of their ceremonies just to make his wife happy. But the wife would not consider his faith. And she sat in my office and told me, nothing annoys me more than when he speaks in tongues. Lady Reverend, I cannot stand it. I said, oh. You have a husband who prays. No. I can't stand it. I said, why? She said, it irritates me. It irritates me. And the man was sitting there crying. At that stage, they were not even in our church. They just came because one of them's um, sister, sibling, was in the church and had arranged for them to come. And the lady had crossed her legs. And I said, look, this man loves you. And this is his newfound faith. Please. No. She said that when I married him, I didn't bargain for all these things. And all these areas of my life. So because marriage translates into every area of your life. Every area of your life is affected. Therefore, if God is your husband every area of your life will be affected. Amen. So when I say that married to, being married to God means that you have a big man for your husband. It's something that we have to meditate upon. But usually, you see only your earthly husband. Therefore, everything must come from him. And every provision must come from him. But that is not possible. God has not made any human being to make every 
provision. Amen. Amen. When you read Isaiah 54 verse 6, it says, For the Lord has called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. Amen. It is often when we are forsaken and grieved that we look for God. And it is in such a state that God calls us and marries us. Many people will look at you and say, oh, she's a basket case. She has a lot of problems. Ah, she was even with this person and the person left her and with this person and the person left her. So I wonder, the person that somebody, you see, the statistics are high. But the Bible says, as for God, he calls you as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth. You married young. You gave your youth to that marriage. And in the midst of it, or after your youth had passed away, you were forsaken. And therefore, you have developed some grief in your spirit. But in the midst of all that, he's calling you as a woman forsaken. It doesn't matter the relationships in your life that have not worked. Amen. Human beings may forsake you, but that is when he reaches out to call you. Amen. Amen. Most of us don't marry planning that it won't work. Otherwise, we wouldn't even get into it. Nobody marries with a mind that it won't work. And nobody marries with a mind that as I'm going, when I reach that junction, I would like to get down. Most people don't marry with that mind. But it's when they enter the marriage and sometimes things go sour. And sometimes it's not your, your fault, but you are forsaken anyway. Amen? Many years ago, a lady I knew, a brother in the church was proposing to her. And she said, I don't think I'm game. And the brother went to see everybody. Please talk to her for me. I really, you know. So the sister was entreated. And then she started to go out with the brother. And she started to like him. And she got married to him. When she got married to him, she said, oh, you are in another city in the same country, but another city. So why don't I resign my job so that we live together in that city? Where, oh, no. And my work, they say I'm bringing, they are bringing me to where you are. So no need. Six years passed. They had children, but never lived together. And then one day, she said to the guy, the guy was now being transferred to where she was after six years, so she said, oh, I got a place for us to live, so we have to sign the lease. And the guy said, to live where? She said, well, how our home that we live for the first time after six years? He said, you know something? I, the day I married you, that's when I discovered that I've made a mistake. Then he took her car and went out and drove into a pillar and came back. And the wife said, oh, what happened to the car? How come? He said, he said because I, I attempted to kill myself. I'd rather die than be married to you. 
And then she said, oh, why are you saying that? He said, because when I first decided to marry you, you were not the one I was thinking about. But as you came to my office and things then, my boss said that he thinks that you are a better woman than the first one. So I should marry you. And also with my position, you will add to my status. So I should marry you. So I'm very, very sorry. After that, this lady fell ill, terribly ill. Could not even hold down a job. And the guy would not even come to where she was. Or even give her money to care for the children that they had. God gave me a word, Isaiah 54. I have called you as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. When your youth has been wasted, and today she is so well, so strong, so powerful. So I met her and I asked her, so what is the secret? What has brought your healing and your strength and your she said first of all God because in my grief and in being forsaken I didn't know even what to think but he held me and then also he brought people like you to support me and help me along the journey and I think that that is what has brought me so when you are married to God he calls you as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. A wife of youth, when thou was refused, that is when God calls you. Isn't it amazing that most of the time it's affliction that leads us to God. The Bible says it's good that I was afflicted that I may draw near to you. Because before you are afflicted, hey, because of that boy, you won't come to church. Because of that boy, you won't read your Bible. Because this morning... And you are doing things you shouldn't do. Instead of being with God, you are with the wrong person in your bed. Amen? Amen. And God takes second place. Because your world is working. When the person calls you, he doesn't want to go off the phone. I counseled once, I said, Lady Reverend, my husband could speak to me before we go married for eight hours on the phone. And he will pay the bill. I said, hey, what will he be saying? She said, sometimes we'll just be breathing. Long distance call, but we'll just be breathing on the phone. I said, hey, how do you breathe on the phone? She said, you just go. I said, hey, romance at another level. And when he finishes, he will pay the bill for all the breathing. In fact, sometimes what you call love is actually madness and folly. Amen. But because of that, no quiet time, no prayer, no message. Because you have found somebody. Somebody. But when you become grieved and you become forsaken, and your youth is wasted, then you find God. And God doesn't say, you went here, you went here, you are now coming. He says, I call you as a woman forsaken, forsaken, and grieved in spirit. 
I believe that sometimes God sends certain things that will allow them so that our eyes will turn to the right person. Amen. Because the Bible says God will not share his glory with anybody. But you too, since you found this person, you see, when we come to church and we are sick, take your place, be enthroned on our praise. Peter, king of kings, lowly God. It's not God, oh, it's somebody else. One of our lady pastors, she had a wedding. Hey, when she was coming from behind, I was expecting the usual bridal. No. I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. Yeah, I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near, Andrew, to where you are. I want to be where you are. Dwelling in your presence, oh Andrew, sing at your table, surrounded by your glory, Andrew, in your presence, oh, that's where I always, what about the presence of God, what about the presence of God? You always want to be in Andrew's presence. When will it be God's turn for you to be in his presence? When? When? Tell me. You are coming with your wedding gown. I just want to be. I just want to be with you. Oh, Peter. Forgive. So later I asked, I said that, so this song, was it to God or to your husband? She said, oh, mommy, but what are you saying? I said, what am I saying? Now that's why she's talking. She says that whenever mommy is preaching, I'm in the preaching. But uh, I won't tell you where. So I said, in your presence, that's where I always want to be. You always want to be in Andrew's presence. God, yeah, he will not see you. He will not see you. But that is how a woman's love is. Amen. So God sends some unexpected so that our eyes will shift to the right person. To the one who really matters, the Lord of hosts. I have called you as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. Amen. In Hebrews 13, 5, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look at this lady, uh, lady I told you about. She hadn't done anything wrong. She had a normal, maybe marital differences, but she didn't want to leave. But the person said, I made a mistake. And he has continued to make a mistake up to today. It's been about 18 years still. Unable to marry. Unable. Since he said it was a mistake, the mistakes have repeated. Amen. So sometimes you may not want to leave, but the person will leave you. But when you have God as your husband, he says, 
I will never leave you. I will never leave you. Some people come near us because of what we have. Some people come near us so that there's economic gain or immigration gain. Amen. But when God is your husband, he says that even no matter what you do, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. We hear people, they come and say their marriage vows as if it's a nursery rhyme. And after a few weeks, in fact, nowadays the casualty uh, uh, time period is too short. Sometimes I see people, they've been married. Two weeks, they are at each other's throat and they have come for a, a UN meeting. Two weeks. But God says, I will never leave you nor forsake. Sometimes, even in the body of Christ, we may come across people who are divorced. And we may think, oh, God doesn't like divorce. It's true. But often too, it's not the person who said I was going. The person was living her life with somebody. And the person up and said, I'm not coming anymore. I used to work with a friend of blessed memory. Whenever we came to work, she was also a lawyer. She would tell me that she saw her husband this morning. She would see him again four weeks later. They are all going to work and they leave. But he doesn't come home till after four weeks. And sometimes we'll be in town and then we'll meet him in traffic. And then he'll just wave as if he doesn't live there. <laughs> yeah, so then he doesn't have that mind that I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's not part of it. And I think that Christians also get into marriage without being like God that I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, no matter what. But we say, if it's fine, I'll stay. And if you behave well, I'll stay. And if you don't hurt me, I'll stay. And if you don't do anything to upset me, I'll stay. But if you do other things, I'll check out. But when God is your husband, he says, I will never leave you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Amen, ladies. The next thing is that Jesus said, <laughs> John 14, verse 3. We are running tonight. <laughs> John 14, verse 3. He says, verse 2, In my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not so, I would have told you. But how many of you have got boyfriends and some funny relationships that is not so, but they tell you a lot of lies? Some people may be back home and then they have spouses maybe in Italy. Or even in America. Then they come and tell me, Lady Reverend, when I, I called him, I had a baby crying in the house. I had a baby crying in the house. Then, when they ask the man, Ah, is that a baby I'm hearing? So, no, 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 the neighbor has come to visit. It's the neighbor that has, has come to tell you. But Jesus is not like that. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. 
he's not afraid to tell you things that are not so. You know? So he says, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I will tell you. I will not tell you lies. But in our earthly relationships, we come across many things that are not so. Amen. 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 In me, the one said, So, are you single? <laughs> Very single. Very single. And one day you are going innocently. You are going to visit and you knock. You see that it's not so. But he did not tell you that it was not so. Amen. We have had a wedding in church when the, the, a lady came and said that this man, I have a child with him. He has even done some ceremony. This other, but she came at the last moment. You know they say in law that, or hereafter hold your peace if you don't come at the right time. So we're all there for the wedding. It was supposed to be like a twin ship wedding. So I was cutting two cakes. So I had my hat, everything on. <laughs> we started the ceremony. Then people brought out gallons of palm oil. They are coming to pour it on one of the brides. The woman who said she has a child with a man has organized her people. And they are coming to pour it on the white gown of the other bride. They came dressed like bridal guests. But they were not. Yes! Because why? It was not so that the man was single, but he has not said it. But when you have God as your husband, there are things that he tells you. And he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. So that is why I'm surprised that some of you are in ramshackle relationships. And you think that those relationships, you can't let them go. But you would rather sacrifice Jesus for that boy who will not tell you so. How can that be? For lies, for falsehood, for things that are not so. When you have God, he tells you even the things that are not so. So if it were not so. I would have told you. I won't hide it from you. And I won't say things that are not true. If it were not so, I would have told you. Amen. What it means to have God as your husband. Your beloved husband, boyfriend, told you things about yourself that were not even so. You are the only woman I've ever loved and will ever love. Then you took it as your John 3.16. And in the morning, instead of meditating on the word, you are meditating on the words of a man. He told you that I will give you my heart and operate on a battery. I will give you my heart and operate on a battery. Sometimes, you see, even as spouses, it can be male or female. We mean well. So sometimes we do something and then we come to our husband or our wife and I'll say, Oh, we are so, I'm so sorry. This will not happen again. But because you are who you are, it will happen again. But when God says, this will not happen again, it will not happen again. Amen. God destroyed the earth by water. And then he said to Noah, I've made a covenant. 
I will not bring the world to an end by flood again. And to give you a sign, I'll give you the rainbow of many colors. And God keeps his promise. God keeps his promise. Amen. But you, when you say it will not happen again, even you promise yourself, you know, you, are, you, are, you, you intend to pray, so you wake up, oh, oh God, I'm sorry, it will not happen again. That's next five minutes. Because you are not worthy of trust. Because you are made of mortal flesh. But the God who is your husband, he never, never, never says something that does not come to pass. If it were not so, I would have told you. Amen. The next thing, when you have God as your husband, you will know. He said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Some people have promised you that they will come again. You are sitting here. Amen, ladies. Say, I will come again and receive you. Some people have promised you that they will marry you. It never happened. Amen? Some people promise people that they will marry them before they, they know they are marrying somewhere else. But Jesus said, I will come again and I will receive you. Why do we not meditate on these things? But rather we meditate on what flesh and blood tells us. More than what God himself tells us. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Many people where they are, they don't want their wives to be there. Many people, when they mind their wives, they don't take them out anywhere because where they are, they don't want them to be there. But this kind of husband, he wants you to be where he is. He doesn't go to the restaurant and leave you. He doesn't hang out with friends and leave you. He doesn't do things so separately as if you are not married. He says that, that where I am, you may be also. And this is one of the things that women cherish. Women love to be with their husbands. Women love to be taken along. Women love to... You don't have to do anything for me. Just take me out. And when you take me out, don't be looking at your phone. Look at me. And for a woman, it doesn't even matter if we don't eat. If we just look into each other's eyes. And we gaze forever. It's enough. But you go out with this brother. Every time he's doing phone. He's doing phone. He's doing Viber. He's doing something. He's doing this. Not with God. Where I am. That you may be there also. Amen. One brother told me. Lady Reverend, I'm very angry with my wife. I said, really, why? Your wife? What problem will your wife give? She said, I went here on with her on holiday. And when we went on holiday, my secretary from my workplace called me. And then when she called me, she was seeking help with a personal problem. Lady Reverend, my wife ruined the whole holiday. 
Just one hour that I spent speaking to the secretary. He said, how many hours are in a, a, a day, Lady Reverend? Is it not 24 hours? So if out of the 24, I spent just one hour helping my secretary with the problem she has. Why, why is she complaining? She has ruined the holiday. I said, oh, it's not 24 hours because she sleeps 24 hours. She uses some to sleep. She uses some to bath. She uses some. And often she doesn't see you. So if you've come a holiday with her, why are you now? calling this calling that calling that i don't get it he says she's ungrateful tell her she's ungrateful I said, she's not ungrateful she's just saying that this little time that we are here small time amen ladies amen the brothers where i am that you may be there also. Amen. Some people never take you out as a wife, a beloved. Never. Every day you say, Oh, can we go out? I say, Ah, but there's food at home. What, what is your problem? Is, is, is there no food at home? But Jesus says that where I am, there you may be also in life sometimes when people progress or become successful they forget the wife of their youth who helped them when nobody knew them when they were not a ceo yet they forget and then when they are going for some high level things they leave their wives behind but not so with god that's where i am there you may be also. There you may be also. Amen. I hope God is showing us the revelations. Amen. And then he says, And whither I go, you know. And the way you know. How many things do you know about your beloved and your husband? Where he goes, you don't know. Where he goes, you don't know. Amen. You see, marriage itself can be challenging. But when you go and marry also a spouse who does not fear God, then you have compounded your problems. Amen. Bishop says that a man will do what God says, not because of your beauty, but because he fears God. But some of us, people tell me in counseling, one lady told me, I am so beautiful, Lady Reverend. When I walk down the road, every man is going into a ditch. Every single one of them is going into a ditch. Lady Reverend. And I said, really? She said, yes. And you should see the head turn. In fact, I've never heard anybody speak like that before. I was surprised at the pride and the impudence. She was trying to tell me that the guy that she was engaged to cannot leave her because Lady Reverend, I'm very beautiful. I 
said, but if you are beautiful without character, you are like, the Bible says, a ring in the snout of a pig, or a beautiful woman without discretion. But she didn't see that. Today, unfortunately, the marriage is over. How many things are there that you don't know? You don't know where he's going physically. You don't know anything about him financially. You don't, and you see, a lot of brothers also are not verbal. <laughs> they are not verbal. And they are not being verbal. Did not start when you married them. It started when their mother gave birth to them. Because I have the privilege of having both boys and girls. And the boys, when even we are chatting, they are chatting, they are happy, but they don't give me the necessary details. You know, the things I want to know. When they come, I say, how was it? It was good. Did it work? It worked. Everything, I said, how, how was the program? Very good, mommy. I said, so who came? No people. I said, oh. So, was Lady Pastor BM there? I think so. What about Lady Pastor Caris? Eh, I think so. Then they are opening the pots to see what they will eat. Yeah, yeah, I think so. What about Lady Pastor Sheila? Ah, oh, mommy. You've asked. I said Lady Pastor Caris came. I said Lady Pastor BM came. Now you ask me that Lady Pastor Sheila also came. Eh? They are not my spouse. But God said to me, even at this stage, Look at them. They don't have much detail. But when my daughter comes, she'll say, oh, yes, Lady Pastor BM came. And she was even in a green sheet t-shirt. And mommy, I actually liked her haircut. And she actually, so when I chat with my daughters, I get more. <laughs> but because of that also, I do not have unrealistic expectations. Because I understand that it's not that the man wants to get at me. But really, even before you marry them, their mothers have that problem with them. <laughs> and people also say, Lady Reverend, when we go to the shop, then he just wants to go out. I say, ah, but why do you go with him? If you want to be very happy shopping. Why? Because most brothers go with the purpose. The purpose-driven life. Do you see? I get it and I'm out. But when I first married, you know, I thought that very romantic. So I would say, my husband, let's go. He will come. But when he's, I can see that he said, so have you finished? I said, no. When I hold that, he said, are you buying? Is it now? Should I buy it? I said, no. I, I, just, I just like the fabric. I, I, I like the feel of it. Then I can see he's just walking. Hey, feel of it. Feel of it. Then get it. So then, many years ago, God gave us the wisdom that we go to the shop together, we walk a bit together, we separate. <laughs> I go into a clothing shop, and I see that he's in a bow shop. After the bow shop, I see that he has come back to where I am. And now, even in Switzerland, they have some sofas and things in the shop. Then you'll be sitting there. Then you'll be making calls. Yes, so the concrete. Have you taken? The person has come shopping with me. And there's peace. Because as he's sitting in the sofa, he's doing his thing. I'm also doing my thing. Amen. So sometimes, 
we waste time on unnecessary things, trying to change things, make things a certain way. But this husband, he says that whatever I'm, wherever I'm going, you know. You know. Sometimes even things happen and I don't know. So maybe because I don't know, I'm not able to call the people involved. Maybe something has happened to somebody and my husband has come home but has not mentioned it to me. So I don't know. So later, then I hear, oh, this person's mother died and is being buried. This person's, and I was, ah. So you know that the person's mother had died. Ah, yeah. They said it's in the office. Very sad, eh? I said, yeah. Why didn't you tell me? Oh, I mean, come on. How many things can I remember? How many things can... Then I thought about it and I said, well, 1,600 churches. How is he going to remember every little thing that has happened? So ladies, it's also good to make allowance. Amen. Whither I go, you know. And the way, you know. But in the world, you don't know where he's going physically, financially, the decisions he has made, and even the experiences in his life, he may not share them. But this type of husband, he says that, whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Then John 40, 40, if you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. Amen. How many things have you asked your husband that he has done for you? <laughs> we'll come to that point too. Amen. Sometimes, you know, as a lady, you just want to be understood. It's not that you should agree, but you should understand where you are coming from. So you are trying to explain, and then you are using diagrams. When diagrams don't work, you use graphs. When graphs don't work, you move to x-rays. When x-rays don't work, you move to blood tests. And still, the person may not be getting it. But God says, if you shall ask anything, anything in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it. Even sometimes the things you are asking them to do is for their own good, but they won't do it. <laughs> and sometimes they won't even tell you that they won't do it, or they'll just not do it. When you are married for a while, you know from signs whether the person will do it or not. But when you are newly married, you feel that it's by a lot of talking and explanations. But when you are experienced, you know the body language that as the person is saying, he won't do it. He won't say anything, but he won't do it. Amen. But God says, if you will ask anything. Sometimes you ask of your husband emotional needs, he can't meet it. You ask for understanding, he can't get it. You ask for him to cry with you about things that you cry about. <laughs> and it gets worse because it adds to your disappointment. But anything you ask of him, whether it's emotional, whether it's financial, whether it's physical. He said, ask me, I will do it. I will do it. Amen, ladies. It's time to shift your eyes.
to the one who really matters. And to put first the one who really has to be first. Amen. The brothers are very quiet. Oh. John 14, 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Many times you are left comfortless. Example, when Hannah could not have a child, Elkanah asked her four questions. Why is your countenance sad? Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Four foolish questions that Elkanah, Elkanah asked Hannah. Why is your countenance sad? Don't you know that I've been believing God for a child all these years? Don't you even know the politics in the house and how Penina is behaving? Because the Bible says she provoked her soul. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. But Elkanah is not connecting the dots. When Penina does something, he says that, oh, it's just today her makeup is not working. But what it actually is, is that Penina is tormenting Hannah. But for Elkanah, he just feels that it's the hairstyle or something that has changed her face. And then he asks Hannah, why is your countenance sad? First, no respect to Elkanah, maybe not foolish, but useless question. <laughs> Second, why do you weep? Ah, why do I weep? Is that a question you should ask? Why do I weep? And then thirdly, why do you not eat? Sometimes when you are very depressed, you lose all appetite. And you cannot eat. Amen. He said, am I not better to you than tens? A husband and a son are two different things. And even if you gave me you, a woman would still, if she wants to, want to have a baby. And you, Elkanah, you feel that because she has you, you are better to her than tens. Even that shows that you don't understand it. You don't understand it. But this God kind of husband said, I will not leave you comfortless. But I will come. I will come to you. That's what it means to be married to God. I will not leave you comfortless. And not only that, you know, sometimes you have to say, you know, I've been very sad. If you've noticed, you see, don't start your conversation. <laughs> when I hear your conversation, I'll know how long you've been married for. When you come and say, oh, you see, if you could just, you know, understand. You know, if we could just be on the same wavelength. You see, the things that you are saying suggest to me that you are a new bride. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> You are a novice completely. I will not leave you comfortless. But I will come to you. Many times, my husband has been on crusades or he's been preaching somewhere. And then, maybe something bad has come as news to me. You know? And sometimes, it has been, maybe I got the news when I was at a very 
powerful program where maybe I was speaking. And after when I've gone home, I become sad sometimes. How? How could such a thing happen? Even during the Ghana she, something happened that God delivered us from. But when I just got to my room, I just fell on my knees and I lifted my hands and I said, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your miracle that has brought me through. And after those few sentences, I just felt the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It's not that my husband would not like to be there, but he is not omnipresent like God. He was in South Africa. There is no way, even if he took the latest flight, it will not come to me. But my husband, God, he does not leave me comfortless. But he comes to me. Oh, how I wish you would nurture this love relationship. Because it is very real. Amen. Turn to the next person and say, are you comfortless? Put your head on Jesus' shoulder. When you come to Abraham and Sarah, they are entering a country, Egypt, Gerar. And then Abraham says, the people here are ungodly, Sarah. So from today, you are not my wife, you are my sister. And then the king takes Sarah into his chamber. Chamber. Abraham does not mind even if his wife will be raped. He said that so that I will save myself. Meanwhile, he has done wedding and said for better, for worse. In sickness and in health. In prosperity and in adversity. But when it came to the king of Egypt, he has left you alone. But God said, I will come to you. God entered the chamber. God entered the bedroom. God intervened on behalf of Sarah. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. God will come to you. God will come to you. Amen. Genesis chapter 30, verses 1 to 2. LBBM, please sit down. Sit down. Genesis chapter 30, verses 1 to 2. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And listen to Jacob's answer. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in God's stead who has withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? Amen. When you have a difficult situation like Rachel and you look for answers in a man, the man also has his anger kindled. Not because he doesn't care, but because he has no answers. So Jacob said, am I in God's stead? Am I God? Can I choose? Not to give you a child or to give you a child or not. I'm a husband. But when it comes to certain things, I can't play God. It's too big for me. It's beyond me. I lack the capacity. I lack, I lack the know-how. And many times when brothers lack the capacity, they just try to be angry. <laughs> they just begin. 
when you are discussing something, they don't have an answer. They just, their anger is kindled. It is Pastor Kojo Lise who told me the secret. He says, this is a man, we do know something. Sometimes we believe as if we are angry, we slam the door. But because we don't have answers. He says that when you are home, you are going to, your wife comes and says, Oh, we need this at home. We need, you are not angry with her. But the fact is that he doesn't have a solution. Because the money is not there. So instead of stopping and saying, Oh, you know, the money is not there. He just uses anger to the, say, Every day, uh, 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 demands. Uh, uh, every every day slamming the door and you the wife you just look and say ah what have i done then you sit there and you cry foolish tears because the reason is not because he doesn't want to give you he does not have am i in god's stead am i in god's stead no man is in god's stead no man can give you what only God can give you. Rachel was asking for Jacob something he could not do. Am I in God's stead? And that leads to a lot of frustration in marriage. Because you call upon them to be God. Amen. They should feel the way you feel. But the Bible says we have not a high priest who is not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But your husband is not that high priest. <laughs> Unfortunately, he may care, he may, but. And you know, sometimes when you go and share something with the brothers, then they are giving you a solution. Okay, then just go and. I don't want a solution. I just want you to say, Oh, baby, don't cry. I understand. I'll be there for you. But don't come and tell me what I should do. Amen, ladies. Am I in God's stead? Jacob asked Rachel that I should withhold the fruit of the womb from you. So sometimes there are a lot of disputes and arguments in marriage because you are expecting things from a man that God has not furnished for him to be able to do. He's not able. He doesn't have answers. He's also like you. That's why I say that, you see, we believe things that are not so. That's why when the, the brother is wooing you and he sings to you, lay your troubles on my shoulders. Put your worries in my pocket. His own worries can't even be carried by his shoulders, but you believe it. Am I in God's stead? Amen. Amen. John 14, 21. He that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Not all our love in the world has been reciprocated. You love, but you are not loved back. Some of you, you love, you love foolishly. You love, you love foolishly. Hey. Amen. Philippians 1 9 says, Let your love abound in all wisdom and knowledge. But you, your love is abounding, but wisdom and knowledge has flown out of the window. Amen. But Jesus says, He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, 
and I will love. When you love him, he returns it. But some of you young people, you are falling in love with the boys around. They don't love you. You are giving them your love, but they don't give it back. Amen. And I keep saying that it's the good thing that is found. When a man has found a good thing, not the good thing going to find the man. Amen. So you are sending, what's your number? What's it? Oh, I had a, a, a conference with the young people. And they wrote, Lady Reverend, the girls in the church, they are worrying us. We don't know how they get our numbers. They are calling us. They say, we should come. We should do this. We should Lady Reverend, why? Because the good thing is now trying to find the man. But Jesus said, he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him. I will love him. He will love you back. He will love you back. He's not somebody that when you love, he says, I'm not interested in you. When you love, he says, I'm not your type. When you love, he says, let's write on toilet roll and send it to him. Jesus is not like that. See, he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him. Amen. And as if that is not enough. You see, sometimes you love somebody. The person also loves you back. But the person's father or mother does not love you. But Jesus says that if you love me, you will be loved of my father. So even your in-laws are guaranteed. That it shall be well. But you don't automatically find that in this life. What it means to have God as your husband. So when you love Jesus, God too comes to love you at another level. For what will you not turn your love to such a man? Amen. Amen. May the Lord open our eyes. To see. I was just lying on my bed one day and God said, it means a lot to be my husband, to, to be your husband. And then he just started to give me. So I just took my iPad and I started to just write. The Holy Spirit is really real. As for this son, his father and his parents, they will love you, okay? Now, my husband always says that when ladies are around normally, they don't have any uh, facial spots or skin problems. But as soon as they get into a relationship, they have breakouts. Because pimples and things can come through a lot of stress also. So he always says, you know, they have such beautiful skin. As soon as they find a man, they start to get pimples. They start to lose weight. They start to come and say, Bishop, he hasn't called. Bishop, he doesn't come. Bishop, he doesn't this. Because suddenly, their peaceful world has been rattled and rocked. Amen. But not this husband. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Most of you and some of you are even in toxic relationships that trouble you. And that deprive you of peace. But this type of husband, when he enters into your life, he brings peace. Peace. 
I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Some people, as soon as their husbands enter the door, they say, here comes trouble. Here comes a lot of conflicts. Here come a lot of arguments. But this type of husband, when he comes, he comes even in the midst of a storm. And his presence alone just brings peace. 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 I give unto you. He says, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Where will you get this? Where? What it means to have God as your husband. Amen. This one, when you go out with him, you don't get pimples, you get peace. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, as people become familiar with each other, they become fault finders. And they become very condemnatory. And they become less affirmative. They don't praise much. They don't compliment much. And they just find faults all the time. Amen. But this Jesus says, he does not condemn you. He says, there's therefore now no condemnation. To them who have never sinned, no. To them who have never missed it, no. To them who are in Christ Jesus. Once you are in him, there's no condemnation. Amen. But other people, there's a lot of condemnation. The, the blaming of each other in marriage began in the Garden of Eden. When God gave to God, uh, the woman to Adam, God said it was not good that man should be alone, so I'll make him a helpmate. He gave the woman to Adam. Adam was happy. He said, oh, whoa, man. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. But when Satan came and tempted her, God said, Adam, what is this? I said, the woman you gave me. The woman. The woman. The condemnation started from the garden of Eden. The woman. If you had given me the right type of woman, this would not have happened. The woman you gave me. You know a verse that comforts me and surprises me? The Holy Spirit said to me, sin came through one man. He didn't say through Eve. Sing. Through one man, sin came into the world. Amen. And through one man also, righteousness came into the world. So I was surprised. I went to read Dick's commentary. And Dick said, because. The woman cannot pass on sin. It is the male that can pass on something. And gave so many other verses to buttress what he was saying. So through one man, sin came. By Adam giving up his headship, sin came. Amen. That's why the brothers should take their place also. Amen. They should take their place as the head of the home. And not be eating any apple Eve gives you. The Bible says he ate. How can you just eat like that? 
Amen. And so the blame game started. It's the woman you gave me. And when he asked Eve, Eve said, it's the serpent. It's not me, it's the serpent. But since then, relationships between men and women are filled with fault finding. There's never, at a point, there's never anything that says, oh, you cooked so beautifully, thank you. It's more, where's my food? Is that all? Why is it so cold? What's wrong? What, what, what is this rice? Is it rice water? I don't know. But this kind of husband, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Yes, we may not be perfect. Yes, we may miss it sometimes. Yes, we may even disappoint our own selves. But when you come to him, he doesn't condemn you. He rather ministers to you. Yes, he will point out your faults, but not in a condemnatory manner. But the world, and even the people who translate the Bible, even after God has delivered you, they don't change their description of you. The prodigal son came home. But after today, he's called the prodigal son. He has stopped being prodigal long ago. But because the world condemns, he calls it the prodigal son. Blind Bartimaeus is healed of blindness. But today, we still call him blind Bartimaeus. The woman with the issue of blood, she's healed with the issue. But she's still being called the woman with the issue of blood. Because man has a propensity to condemn. But this husband, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Amen, ladies. And that is why we must learn to look into the mirror of the word. Because sometimes you can be told things and you feel so small inside. Say, Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not a good pastor's wife. God, I'm not a good person. God. But God is not going by your goodness. He's going by, are you in Christ Jesus? Yes, Lord, I am. Therefore, there's no condemnation. And if God doesn't condemn you, who can condemn you? There's therefore now no condemnation. Amen. The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, unfortunately. In our wedding vows, we say, Till death us do part. But in the Bible, the marriage of the bride and the lamb is in heaven. So death even does not part you in that marriage. That marriage continues into eternity. That is the kind of husband we are talking about. Amen. Hmm. Psalm 50. It's 10 to 12. Amen. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. But the earthly husbands, if they are hungry, they tell thee. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. I was saying that sometimes it's not that your husband doesn't want to give you, but the there is not there. But this kind of husband, he's never broke. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. The fowls of the air, the sea, the fullness of the world belong to him. 
There's nothing he cannot afford. There's that, this type of husband, there's nothing he cannot afford. He can afford all things. That's what it means to be married to Jesus or to God. Amen. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. But the earthly love, when you are slim, you are loved. When you are the right size, you are loved. When you are deemed to behave well, you are loved. When your food is not good, you are not loved. When you are unprofitable, you are not loved. You are loved only when you don't do wrong. When your, your performance in the bedroom is not good, you are not loved. But this kind God, he has loved you with an everlasting love. It doesn't matter the season. It doesn't matter the time. His love is everlasting. It doesn't matter if your dress size has changed. It doesn't matter if your stomach size has changed. It doesn't matter the surgeries you have had. It doesn't matter how you look. In the bedchamber, he has loved you with an everlasting love. Amen. John 15, 13, greater love had no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. In Ghana, when people die, people will be crying, we'll go with you, we'll go with you, but they never go with you. Amen. But this man, he will lay down his life for you. Amen. The Bible says he rejoices over you with singing. Can you imagine? He rejoices over you with singing. When my husband and I were going out, one day he was not well. So I went to his house to visit him. And when I was sitting down and he was lying down because he was not feeling well, his father was in the house. And my husband said, Mommy. And I said, Yes. Sing to me. So I also started singing hey, at another level. Now I had forgotten even about this. And I was listening to a first love message. Hey, my wife, she used to sing to me when I was sick. Nowadays she doesn't sing anymore. But this kind of husband, he rejoices over you with singing. Amen. And I remember my father-in-law came and then called my husband and said, hey, who is singing there? And my husband said, oh. It's Adelaide. My father-in-law just smiled. Well, he was an experienced man. He knew that the singing would stop at all. Amen. That the Lord rejoices over you with singing. Not fault-finding, not criticisms. He doesn't say, I regret marrying you. I'll divorce you. Since I married you, my life has gone downwards. I do a lot of counseling. I hear these things. But this God, he rejoices over you with singing. Amen. Psalm 115 verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. It means God's mind is full of you. Many times when women ask their husbands, what are you thinking about? Their secret wishes that he will say you. But he... <laughs> 
this kind of husband, he's mindful of you because his mind is full of you. Amen. First Corinthians 3 verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Sometimes a woman needs help but does not get it. But this husband, he labors together with you. Some husbands never wash dishes. Some husbands never do anything at home. But with God, he's a laborer together with you. I've counseled women who have had to go to the fertility clinic and the husbands flat refuse. I'm not going. The wife will say, oh, I have done the test. They say there's nothing wrong. Or I have done the test and I've been put on medication. Now the doctor also wants to see you because it takes two. But they will say, no, I'm not going. So they leave you alone to be a laborer. But with this husband, he's la a laborer together with you. There's nothing you are doing that he doesn't involve himself. And when he involves himself, he actually labors so that he can be a part of what you have. Amen. Amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 3. Why, Lady Reverend, why do we have to know all these things? Ephesians 3, 18 to 19. That you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know and to know and to know the love of Christ and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Why? That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. When you know the love of Christ, you will be filled with all the fullness of God. When it means, I mean, what a life if we were to be filled with all the fullness of God. But when we understand the love of Christ, it is mind-boggling. And God had to show us through some of these instances the type of love that he has for us. And Paul's prayer for them was that, that you may know the height, the breadth, the length, the depth. Why? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And finally, the next reason why we must know what it means to be married to God is Jeremiah 17, 5 to 6. Cursed be the man that trusts in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land not inhabited. Amen. So God is saying that when we put our trust in man, we are cursed. Putting your trust in man is different from trusting man. Every relationship must be built on trust, yes. But when you put all the trust you have in this world in man, it means you put also your confidence in a man. You are likely to be disappointed like Rachel because you'll be putting a man in God's stead and it's not going to work. The Bible is saying that when you do that, you will be like a heath in the desert you will not see good when it comes. You will inhabit parched places. It means places where there's no water. In the wilderness, <laughs> in a parched land, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Amen. But in verse 7, blessed is the man that trusted in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river. 
and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Yes, there may be drought, there may be lean seasons, but she will not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. It may be drought, but you will still yield fruit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And therefore, because of that, may we really make God our husbands. May we meditate on this word. May God be somebody that God can say to us, the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has prepared herself. Stand to your feet, please. Amen. Hold me close. Let your love surround. Help me. Yeah, bring me near, draw me to your side. Bring us near. 
now begin to talk to God say teach me Lord to know your love give me revelation in the knowledge of you help me by faith to appropriate what it means to have you as my husband and Lord when it is said that you can fulfill me I don't understand it but by the help of your Holy Spirit help me to understand the breath the length the depth of your love that I may be filled with all the fullness of God Father minister your love to us bring us to the place where we can comprehend what is the length and depth and breadth and height of your love for us help us to understand when you say that you have betrothed us and that we are your spouse may we experience it in every area of our lives may we experience your promises and the things that you have said may they come to pass Jesus may there be a change It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.